The Athletic. The Athletic Women's Football Podcast is proudly partnered with Now. With a Now Sports membership, you can watch the biggest moments from the Women's Super League live. Find out more at nowtv.com. Have their warning, they have had their warning. Here's Lucy Bronze. That is remarkable from Arsenal. Hello, and welcome to the Athletic Women's Football Podcast in partnership with Now. Coming up, Spurs rear their heads at the last minute to go third. The Toffees get stuck with Brighton wheeling out an impressive display. (laughs) And what Morgan Leicester do to get that first WSL points? (laughs) Joining myself, Lindsay Hooper, it's Kate Borsay and former Arsenal, Chelsea and England star Katie Chapman. Katie, how are you? I'm very, very well. Keeping myself busy. I know you've been on the school runs, but also taking children to football and drama classes. Are you ever out the car? No, <laughs> I try to. I try to be. You know, we walk as much as we can. Like my little one like, loves to walk. So he's my little partner. And we do out and go, do stuff on the road. He likes to get on his bike as well. So as much as I can, I avoid the car. But of course, the journey is usually a tedious around the M25. Oh. Are they all really into football? What sort of stage are they all at, Katie? Eldest one now has turned to rugby. Okay. Um, yeah, which is quite surprising. Um, and the other two, yeah, play football. My my youngest one absolutely loves football. Um, I enjoy watching them. You know, as their mum, I think being a former footballer and just yeah, being able to watch them now. I think you know they were my sanity after I retired because I still was you know involved heavily in football, watching them. Just a different part, different role. In those junior games, if there's a contentious ref decision, do people turn to you to be the adjudicator? No, do you know what? I actually don't like watching their games. I don't like parents sometimes <laughs> on the side of the pitches because I think sometimes they're quite hard on the kids. And, you know, I'm a person that sits there and lets Zach play. You know, I'll encourage him and, and that sort of stuff. I won't make a decision for him. I'll just allow him to do what he does. And you see kids sometimes looking at their parents to say, was that okay? Or was oh, that, no. You know, like sometimes for me, I think standing on the sideline, I struggle with that a little bit. And you're still really involved behind the scenes at Chelsea. Yeah, yeah, which I love. And I'm just looking forward to getting back to normal, you know, like back into schools and stuff like that. And, you know, speaking to the younger generation and trying to influence and, and you know, just be a role model to them. In that ambassador role, you've obviously got to see a lot of Chelsea. How do you think they compare to last season in your eyes? Clearly got all the way to a Champions League final. Have they gone up a level even further? Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, she's got a team there of absolute winners. I think you look at the quality on and off the pitch and, you know, players that are not getting as many minutes as they probably should because the squad's so big and so good. And I think with a Champions League final, you know, Barcelona were unknown and sometimes it's hard when you've not played against the team before. You know, you don't know what you're coming up against. You can watch videos and stuff like that. It never gives you the same feel as watching a game live to what the tempo is. So I think it was quite difficult going into that game. But yeah, for sure this season. I mean, the the first game was a blip, but they're looking great. Well, lots of exciting action from the weekend for us to get our teeth into. But what was the standout play? We'll be bringing you our Moments of the WSL with Now next. Moments of the Women's Super League with Now. Watch the big moments from the WSL live with a Now Sports membership. There was Rhea Percival's 55-yard free kick, late winner for Spurs. Kira Walsh's bullet from the edge of the box. Viv Miedemar getting her hands on a 360 camera again. No, put it down. Uh, Lots of moments to choose from. Kate, what have you gone for as your moment of the WSL with now this weekend? 
I've got to go to the Arsenal-West Ham game and the amazing achievements of Kim Little. She scored her 50th WSL goal in that game. It was her second goal in the game. And I think Kim is testament to the fact that basically, if you've got a quality player, you will always see that. And she worked so hard to maintain that quality. She was, of course, absent from the WSL, wasn't she, for a period of time. She played over in the States for a while. I think played a short amount of games over in Australia as well. But she, her quality is insane and her work rate as well. I think what we've seen this season is she's playing further up the field, isn't she? Marnham's allowed her to do that. And yet again, we're seeing absolute quality from Kim Little and probably her best season so far in the WSL, would you would you say? Probably, I think I would. I, I think it's up there. I think it's on par. I think one thing that she's admitted herself is she's benefiting from having retired from international duty. So when we've had that last break, she's been able to rest. So when she's coming back to domestic action, she's really, really fresh. And that's keeping her going. I think really over the season, that will play its part, the fact that she's got those rest periods. I'm going to go for something from that game as well. I'm going to go Beth Mead again. She scored the third goal in that game. Another uh, fierce finish. And it's just about these goal involvements. We aren't actually clear now with the assists because it was her cross as well that led to an own goal in that game. Whether it's 18, 19 goal involvements. But hey, whatever it is, it's a lot. <laughs> and Beth Mead on course to be one of the players to challenge Kim as well in her own team, but also outside of that for being a player of the season already. So if she can keep it going, she'll be up there come the end of the season. Can you identify, Katie, why specifically this season they have gone up a level? Is it the arrival of Jonas Edeval? They've, of course, signed Nikita Paris, Tobin Heath. So they have got a few new personnel and, and quality personnel in there. But they're not a million miles away from where they were last season, yet they are, if you see what I mean. I was trying to explain to my son, because we were going to watch the FA Cup final, about Chelsea's history and Arsenal's history. And he was trying to debate which yeah. one's better at the moment, i.e. which one he should support. And I was trying to explain <laughs> to him how Arsenal are kind of pretty much doing the same thing, but they're so much different this season. And I don't know whether that is just desire. It's just the change of manager pumping desire and belief into them. What do you think? I think it could possibly be change of manager. You know, they bring a different culture, different team ethic, different tactics and that sort of stuff. I think also, they've, as you said, they've added players to that that squad. Um, and I'm sure they weren't pleased with last season. You know, it was a disappointment for them. And, and, and a team of that quality, you know, would expect better. So I think going into this next season, they they probably had to be better. Well, to find out more about Arsenal's 4-0 victory over West Ham and why Kim Little is scoring more this season, check out our bonus episode from Meadow Park. On that, you'll hear from Jonas Edeval, Kim Little and commentator Jackie Oatley, uh, producer Abby Patterson and Lindsay also across the action there. I listened to it this morning. Very good. Very insightful indeed. I'd recommend you give it a listen. If those were our moments of the WSL from this weekend, Katie, what would be yours? I think watching the game, the Tottenham game, actually, that last, the goal in the last minute, you know, because the game's never over until it's over. It just shows that, you know, it was a ball into the box on target. And I think the wind might have played part in it as well. But, you know, they didn't clear the ball and it goes into the back of the net. And then you end up with a 1-1 draw, which, you know, you're hoping to win that game if you're Man United. Uh, We've heard the highlights. Now let's get stuck in to the rest of the action, starting with Spurs against Manchester United. You can stream the biggest moments of the Women's Super League with now. Watch all the live Sky Sports action from two WSL matches this weekend. Coming up on Sunday, it's a huge doubleheader starting at Walton Hall Park as Everton hosts Man United, 
followed by a clash of the titans as City face Chelsea. And you can watch it all for just $9.99 by grabbing a Now Sports Day membership. To find out more, you can search Now Sports or visit nowtv.com. You were just talking about it, Katie. Never say die. Tottenham won, Manchester United won. And United thought they'd done enough with Alessia Russo's solo efforts, featuring a nutmeg, which we loved, a powerful finish as well into the roof of the net. But it was a 55-yard free kick. I'm going to say that again, 55 yards. Uh, Rhea Percival in stoppage time soared over every player on the pitch. The bounce evaded everybody, including keeper Mary Earps into the net. And it gives Spurs the latest of late equalisers. What do we say, first of all, Katie, about a free kick like that? Should the defence have cleared that the ball should never have bounced? Do you know what? I think it was part wind assisted. I think, you know, when you've got a ball like that, an in-swinger into the box is really hard for a defender to defend. You know, you have to get it spot on to connect with that ball because it's swinging in towards you. And if you're underneath it, you're never, ever going to get it. So it was a really difficult ball. But I think, yeah, the bounce and... I know you can say they could have cleared it. I mean, I'm sure they tried to clear it, but I think the pace was on the ball. Wind assisted. Mary Earps never see see it till late um, and it's in the back of the net. The fact it came from out wide as well was even more impressive. It wasn't just a straight down the pitch 55 yards. There was a lovely, lovely angle to it and um, fair play to Spurs in this one. And we are going to chat to uh, United's Alicia Russo in just a bit. Um, What else do we pin down then when we're talking about Spurs and the really good season that they're having so far, Katie? Do we talk about their organisation and their defence? Yeah, I think so. And I think their work ethic as well. I think, you know, they work really, really hard. They work tirelessly towards the, like, to the end of the game, you know, and they never say die. It's sort of, you know, they're working till the final minutes, hence they get that free kick and, you know, it goes in. And I think, you know, they've had a spot of luck as well so far in the games. I mean, obviously the Man City game as well, they had a spot of luck there with, with possibly <laughs> Slightly a contentious goal, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, I think they've had luck as well, which sometimes you need on your side. Um, and they're up there competing. They're now into third. And I think so much of the focus has been on Manchester United, for instance, since they've come into the league, potentially even Brighton because of Hope Powell being in charge. But a potential disruptor to the ordinary top three. With the sort of season that Manchester City are having, there could be a new team in third spot. I think you've got to give a bit of credit as well to Spurs' keeper. Becky Spencer uh, had an injury niggle for this one. So Corpella came in and actually United could have gone another one up right at the death. We know that Spurs' equaliser was late, but there was another chance from Leah Golden after that and actually a really good yeah. fingertip save from Corpella for that. So a bit of credit to her. One thing that surprised me the most, Lindsay, I know you listened to this as well, was Mark Skinner's post-match on Man United TV. Uh, I don't know whether it was genius or whether it was cringeable. Um, I think we can hear a little bit of it now. Yeah, I thought it was one of those games where it wasn't pretty. It was never going to be pretty. I know you can't see it because I haven't got long locks and that my hair's blown, but there's a lot of breeze around. But that's part of the elements that you know we have to get used to. Um, I thought we had quite a lot of control of the game. Uh, that doesn't necessarily mean we used it well enough for us to win the game. Um, but then it took one long ball from the halfway line and direct play is becoming a real key part of the game again. The, the game flips in cycles. It flips to open where you block with two sixes because there's two there's ten pocket. It goes to the zone 14 to wide play again, back to crosses direct because that will then be something you don't train. 
So we have to continue to work at training against direct play because it's going to be... A, if you're a team that doesn't have as much quality, you're going to go and try and play as direct as you can. So mm-hmm. we... Whether we deserve to the to draw, not sure, but we uh we you know we performed okay. Ninety <laughs> percent after of all that. that, we performed okay. <laughs> um, there was a lot of numbers he threw in there. <laughs> he did, he did actually, and we've got to come to you for that, Katie, because ninety percent of that made sense to me. The ten pocket, we understand the number ten role and and those pockets of space that they pick up. I was getting that the directness that we've been seeing in WSL fine, but what on earth is Zone Fourteen? Please tell us. I have no idea. <laughs> is the answer to that? I have no idea. Stomach clearly, Man United are working on. Um, How many years were you in the game, Katie? Listen, I've never heard that in my whole career. Zone fourteen. I'd say it sounds like some sort of kick in rugby or something. <laughs> I did look it up, and apparently, if you play, if you use the tactics of playing zonally, each each bit of the football pitch split into zones, and zone fourteen is the bit in front of goal. But for him to use it in a post-match interview and absolutely bamboozle all of us, as well as coming off the back of him talking about having long flowing locks, which was just another shade of oddness. Well, he was to making it. it- for the win, yes, wasn't he? There, yes. yeah, it's just a really yeah, yeah. strange thing, a strange way for him to put it. I um, liked that. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Oh gosh! And he wanted someone clearly to compliment his hair. Maybe oh, I, yeah. I, 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 have, I have no idea. Look, we don't want it to be dull. We really don't. No, and, and Mark's definitely. great. And, you know, I remember there were there were shades of talk of Justin Timberlake and his approach and look the first match round. And there's always something new. That I, I think it's brilliant. The Zone 14 did flummox me. And if it flummoxed Katie Chapman, then I think yes. we're, all, we're all thinking that's the same. That's why it's called the golden zone. Oh. Because that's the goal scoring zone. It's the golden zone. 14. Oh, my God. If he gave me sections of the pitch to think, I would be totally confused. They'd have to mark it out on the pitch. Because I'd be like, what zone am I in? I think no I way. think it was less Justin Timberlake and more David Brent. But um, we do appreciate what he was trying to say. I mean, I think he didn't get the best out of a lot of his players. Leah Goldton, she's normally so good, isn't she, one-on-one on the flank. There was a chance for her. But, I mean, but I don't think she performed well enough and he's in a bit of a pickle here really he talked about direct play didn't he and um talked about his side conceding from direct play but this is this is going to be something that he needs to address before it before it becomes an issue because you can't give too many post matches like that without without then having the results to prove that you are actually a master mind when you're talking about your zone 14s Listen, I think about it. I think it was wind that was the problem. It wasn't, you know, it was really, really windy. You know, if you look at that, direct play, they've gone, the wind's obviously going their way. Why wouldn't you put an effort towards goal? You know, sometimes you actually use the wind to your advantage. You know, if it's going your way, you'd have shots from outside the box and stuff like that. You use it as your advantage. I'm not sure about, you know, the direct play. And yes, there is some of that within the game. And I'm not sure it's something that he needs to be that concerned about because, you know, his back line should be able to manage direct play anyway. Well, maybe we'll we'll get more insight because Kate caught up with Alessia Russo earlier and uh, this is what she's had to say. So, Alessia, one all against Spurs. Uh, you scored United's goal. I think it's your third in the last four WSL outings. Nice little nutmeg that I saw from you in some of the work leading up to it. Um, tell me how it feels to have put your side ahead. Yeah, it was great. Obviously, being a striker, I think my job is to try and score and assist in as many games as possible and obviously help the team out of possession. But 
yeah, as a as a striker, you pride yourself on on goals and assists. So I think yeah, it was great and and it was a, a good performance from the girls, but lots to build on. And what's been identified, whether it's been your chats with Mark or just as a team, um, how can you identify where you need to work on next if you take that result into account? Yeah, I think there's always lots of areas we need to work on individually and as a team. And I think that us as players know that more than anyone. I think um, we've reflected as as individuals and we know where we can go and and what we need to do to get there. And I think, like Mark said at the end of the game, um, just having that little bit of grit in in the tough moments of the game is um, what will see us out results like that. Your physical strength is one of your attributes. Uh, You aren't afraid... We actually saw that with the goal, didn't we? You aren't afraid to use your physicality. There was a great cut turn that you did earlier on Zdorsky as well. Is that is that something that you've worked on specifically? Yeah, I think obviously I was sidelined for almost 11 months and I think that I was in the gym quite often and it was a part of my game that maybe was lacking before and, and coming up against a lot of big, strong centre-backs. I, I thought that maybe that was an area of the game that I needed to focus on and I thought, when I couldn't actually be on the pitch, maybe it was a chance to work on something like that. So when I came back, I was able to try and hold off defenders and keep the ball. And what's it meant for your game to be able to play consistently? Because, of course, as you say, that uh, you basically tore your hamstring, didn't you, last season, which um, sent you out for an awful lot of games most of the season. What's it been like for you to have the chance to play consistently? How's that moved your game on? Oh, it's massive. I think for any player been out for such a long time to finally be able to get the shirt back on and and play consistently again just makes you so happy and I think that I'm really just enjoying my football at the minute enjoying training every day and working hard and and come a game day I'm just looking forward to to getting 90 well playing and helping the team and obviously just being able available for the game because obviously that wasn't the case last year. And there's a bit of footballing pedigree in your family, isn't there? I think with your dad. And is it your brother who plays non-league football or your uncle? I was having a quick peek at your Instagram feed earlier and I looked at a picture of you and your nonna because, of course, you've got Italian roots, haven't you? What does your nonna feel about you probably being, I would say, the most successful footballer in your family? (laughs) I'm not sure she would say that over my dad, but... (laughs) Yeah, it's amazing. Obviously, I come from a massive football family and to be able to to make them proud is everything to me, really. And I think that, yeah, my nan is a massive football fan, whether that's England or Italy, I'm not sure. But I know she's a Manchester United fan, so that's all that matters right now. Was there ever a conversation about whether you would play for the Lionesses or whether you've got some 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 chance of playing for Italy at all because of your heritage? <laughs> I, I think I've played with England through all, all my youth. So obviously there's been a strong connection all there. But um, I think my grandma's actually English, although she married um, my granddad, who's who was Sicilian. Um, but yeah, I think the, the roots are slightly more English. Than that. <laughs> and you'll be hoping to get more opportunities for the Lionesses as well. I know you've had a couple of call-ups. So that's that's, you know, really something exciting for you to work to as well, isn't it? Yeah, of course. I think it's the biggest honour to represent your respective country and to be back in the in in and around the squad is is so exciting. And I'm just I was just honoured to get a call up and and hopefully performances at club can continue and what will be will be. And Man United currently in fifth. Next up for you is Everton away. Is it a good time to play them, do you think, when wins haven't come easy to them this season? Or, or is it a tricky time because they've got 
a new manager, the former Lyon manager, Jean-Luc Vasseur? I think any time we come up against Everton, it's a tough game, whether that's Conti Cup, FA Cup, League, home or away. Um, I think Everton and Manchester United is is a, uh, obviously both clubs are up north and and there is a, a real pride on on the game and both sides are, are full of quality. I think Everton obviously have got a new manager like us and they've just got a lot of um, new summer signings. And I think, yeah, both teams possess a lot of quality, but I know we're going to be working hard this week and, and we're excited for another game. All right. Well, thanks so much for speaking to us on the Athletic Women's Football Show. We appreciate it. Alessia Rousseau, thank you. No worries. Thanks. That was Kate speaking to Manchester United's Alessia Russo. Well, another team that are going to be challenging for that third spot in the WSL and a place in the Champions League are Brighton. Well, the Seagulls handed Jean-Luc Vasseur a 1-0 defeat in his first WSL game in charge of Everton. The goal, a back heel from Lee Gyeongming to Dan Carter for a well-placed cross that found the head of Eileen Whelan. Katie, you know Hope Powell well. She's got this Brighton side really ticking in time, isn't she? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, she's had time to build and and to work with the team. Hope's very good at setting the team up to defend really, really well. And that's what I think they prioritise that not, you know, hopefully not conceding in games. Um, And they've obviously got the quality as well going forward now, which, you know, they're winning games. Jean-Luc Vasseur, his very first game in charge, Katie, was in the League Cup. And I was reporting on that one and saw immediately an impact that he'd had with the Everton team. They were passing so much better. The first half against Leicester City, it was Barcelona-esque at times. So I'd got my expectations really raised for this one. Was it a case that Brighton were actually the worst opposition he could have faced? For, for a first WSL game because Hope Powell has her team, as we've said, very well organised, difficult to break down. But also they just did not allow that passing game to happen for Everton. Yeah, I think she's, you know, it, Brighton is a difficult team to come up against. You know, you've seen that. They beat Chelsea in the, the season before. She makes it really, really difficult. I think she puts the pressure on, she closes the space and it makes that, she breaks up that, that part of the play so she doesn't allow you to play. And that's a strength, obviously, to Brighton. With Everton, I think, you know, Maybe a rush of blood as well in the first game. You know, a new manager, want to impress. And, you know, there's still a lot to build on. I think the expectation for Everton as well, you know, at the start of the season was really, really high. I mean, I think I expected really good things too. And sometimes, you know, when you don't live up to that expectation, you fall really hard. And I think for them, you know, they're building a team. So I think it's going to take a little while to to find their feet. The slight consideration with this one is that it was windy again at Walton Hall Park and that will have affected the quality of play. (laughs) How many times have we got to mention the wind? (laughs) Mention the wind. I don't think uh, Vasseur's got long flowing locks either though, has he? Um, uh, But that will have affected the quality of play. And, you know, this is a good introduction to English football for Vasseur as well, who's probably used to playing in less uh, sort of random climbs. I suppose. I'm just really interested, Katie, to know what he's going to do with the talent he's got. And there was a chance for Valerie Govan that went wide in this game. There was a half chance for Tony Duggan. And and what I think I want to see from him is how is he going to get the best out of Govan? And also Tony Duggan as well. She's not she's not set the world alight really since signing for Everton. Uh, we know that she's capable and she's experienced too. And then you've got younger players like Hannah Benison as well. So I'm excited to see how he takes all those new signings and gets the best out of them, but also does it quickly. They've only had two wins in six WSL games. So he is going to have, have a certain time pressure against them as well. 
Yeah, and it's not always that easy, you know, to turn things around and to change, you know, because at the end of the day, he's got to manage with what he's got there and he's got to build the team around what he's got for now. Clearly, you know, Tony Duggan's, yeah, not at her best and hopefully can bring the best out of her. I mean, her experience as well around the younger players would be great for that team. And and you look at the team, you know, they've not got, they've got quality players within that team and they are a good squad. But I think he's just got to get them playing a little bit better and, and hopefully creating and scoring goals. Well, meanwhile, plaudits to Brighton, who have notched up another win under Hope Powell. By the way, it's their fifth clean sheet in nine games in all competitions this season, too. You're listening to the Athletic Women's Football Podcast, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Leicester City 1, Manchester City 4 and City can breathe a sigh of relief for now. It was a shaky start. Manchester United fan Jess Sigsworth scored for Leicester City one minute in. But we did see City rally, turn the game around into a convincing 4-1 win. Caroline Weir, Kira Walsh, Lauren Hemp and Laura Coombs with the goals. Uh, did this say and uh, speak to you, Katie, that they were fighting certainly for the manager. We've seen one go already this season and Gareth Taylor's been under pressure. That going down so early, they needed a reaction and they provided one. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it hasn't been a great start, has it, for City, you know, this season. I think it's been difficult with them, obviously with the injuries and stuff like that, that the disruption that's made to, to the team, you know, and it's difficult to play players all together that's not really played or not really been involved because they've lost, you know, key players within the game. But it's not to say they haven't got the quality there. I mean, you look at the players that are on the pitch, there's absolute quality there. I think, you know, they've got to try and find a way to build on that team going forward and get the results because, you know, you are Man City and people do expect a lot from you. And when it's not going well, it becomes really, really tough, uh, you know, as a manager and as a player. So I think they've got to try and find a way and, and clearly against Leicester they did. Yeah, it was a really good goal. A thumper from Kira Walsh in the first half. I enjoyed that one. The keeper couldn't do anything about it. Georgia Stanway providing for Lauren Hemp, who had a good game. And I echo what Kate has said really here. The nature of the win was really encouraging to go a goal down and then to recover. Interesting because Jill Scott's still band-aiding in defence. Mm-hmm. Um, so they are still having to deal with those injuries. But you're right, Katie, as well, you know, with... With the amount of good players they've got and also the facilities and the level of coaching that they have there, they should be doing better than they are. I think my main worry for them is that to make it two wins from two, City are going to have to beat Chelsea next. So we could be, re- you know, we could have to reset all over again after the Chelsea game. Yeah, absolutely. And I think for them, you know, wins build confidence. And I think they probably need a bit more confidence with, with what's going on at the moment. And I think, you know, it's important for them to keep fighting and, and play for pride, you know, within these games because no one wants to lose and everyone expects a lot from City. And I think when you speak about Jill Scott, you know, she's a great person to have in your team. I think her experience and just the person she is to drive and lead the team. And I think in that position, you know what, she'll absolutely do that job for you. And I think she's someone that you can trust in that role to take that responsibility. Is Jonathan Morgan, the Leicester manager, in a bit of trouble here, do you think, Katie? Do you know what, it's difficult coming into this league, isn't it, as a new team, you know. Um, you look at Chelsea and Arsenal and, and clubs like Man City, you know, it hasn't been built overnight. You know, it's taken a long time for them to get to where they've got to. And it's really, really difficult to come up as a new team to, you know, to stay up 
um, you look at the men's game as well, exactly the yeah, same. Yeah, but then I guess you could argue with Manchester United and Spurs when they came up, they they gave a pretty good account of themselves. I'm just looking at the table now, looking Leicester, you know, looking at Leicester at the bottom, six games played, no points at all. And there are, well, because of their investment, because all the players are now full-time, yes, yes, it is going to take time, but there'll be people at that club who are, who are rightfully, because it's a business as well, looking at sort of where they go from here and how long they can continue without winning a single point. Do you know what? Absolutely. That, that's right. And and it also, is, you know, Leicester have got to attract players to want to come and play for the club, you know, because they will need to add, you know, to that squad. And hopefully they can, you know, keep fighting. We're sort of at the start-ish, six games in of the season. And, you know, if you pick up one or two results here and there, it makes a massive difference. So they're going to have to keep, you know, pushing, keep working on what they're working on and hopefully get some results. You've done that transition, Katie, from being semi-pro to pro. Interesting that Jonathan Morgan, when he's done post-match and has been quizzed in his press conferences, a few times he's brought up the physical demands of WSL. What are they facing there? Is it a real big jump to go from semi-pro to pro? Do you know what it is a big jump? And do you know what it is? It's, it's the demands on, on your body as well. I think because young players within there, you know, the demands on a young player coming in from part-time to full-time, it, it's a big, big difference. You know, you, th- you think if you train, you know, twice a week for a couple of hours, then you're going to every day, maybe one day off. Um, it's a big demand. And I think that's something, that, you know, sometimes you've got to taper it and just build in slowly but unfortunately because it is a business and he needs results you know he haven't got that time to do it so he's going to have to you know work with his backroom staff to try and integrate and, and make that work well man city face chelsea next quick injury update for you although there's not much to report apart from that khadija Shaw is added to that injury list uh, she missed the wins over durham and leicester still no karen bardsley ellie roebuck kiara keating no steph no lucy bronze no Esme Morgan, no Chloe Kelly. Uh, and it'll be at least a month or so before we might see perhaps Steph or Lucy back. Wow, that's a long time, injury. <laughs> yeah, very much so. On to the next opponents then. Chelsea 1-0 winners at Aston Villa. Uh, six out of 10, that's what Emma Hayes gave her side's performance against Villa. Chelsea came away with the 1-0 win. Jiso Young's pinpoint assist looped over the Villa defence and it was Olympic gold medalist and Ballon d'Or nominee Jesse Fleming who got the finish. 1-0, it's a win, Katie, but it feels like everyone was looking at this thinking, oh, we thought that would be more than one goal. It's difficult in these games. You know, when teams uh, set up and they play five at the back and they make it really, really difficult to break you down, they minimise the space for you to play in. You've got to try and find a way. You've got to keep moving, moving the ball and, and hopefully find the space. And obviously, as you said, that amazing pass from G So Young into Fleming was a pass that broke, you know, the back line. Her touch was great and so was the finish. You know, I think they hit the crossbar in there a couple of times within that game. And when you've got minimal chances, you have to take what you get. And I think, you know, 1-0 is a win, as you say. Yeah, after the game, Emma Hayes mentioned that she thought the side was good, but maybe didn't make the most of the advantage. Uh, Chelsea, three points behind Arsenal in the WSL after that loss to Arsenal early on, of course. Uh, And it could come down to goal difference, couldn't it, this time round? You only need Arsenal to slip once for it to get incredibly tight, incredibly interesting. Just a quick word on Villa. They're now winless in four and didn't register a single shot on target in this game. 
Let's move on, though, to our final game as Birmingham hosted Reading. It's now two wins from two in the WSL for Reading, looking to start afresh from their rocky start to the season. Natasha Dowie, who we spoke to, of course, on the podcast last weekend, poached Reading's first, and Deanne Rose added two more to make it 3-0 against Birmingham City. It feels like Reading are finally getting into gear. I had one of their players talking after the game, Katie, just saying that they felt that they'd had a bit of a tough run up so far but I have to disagree they may have met Tottenham and Arsenal so far but this is a Reading side that's still got to meet Chelsea and City so I don't think you can use tough games so far as too much of an excuse do Reading have the personnel to make this turnaround permanent do you know it's been a mixed start hasn't it for them I think you know Knowing Reading back, you know, a few years ago, they were always a really tough team to play against and a really, really hard to beat. Um, and it seems to have changed a little bit over the seasons, whether that's, you know, changing players and new people coming in and people go, leaving um, the club. But I think they haven't quite found their feet again. They haven't found the confidence and the, the I don't know, the tenacity and the, the grit and determination that I think I've seen in Reading in past seasons. I haven't changed my viewpoint from the very start of the season. I mentioned about Reading that I thought they would have a slow start, but that after Christmas and come January, they would kick on, um, partly because they had some late arrivals. I think we saw in this one that Deanne Rose is starting to adjust really well to WSL now, and they, yeah. they had her really late on. I think she's a key player. Tash Dowie scoring goals. I think it will mm. click. I, I wouldn't worry about Reading. Um, I, I feel for Birmingham, though, at the moment. I, I think when they've got teams like that and they're facing Reading this side of Christmas, they, they needed to have a better account than, than letting three goals in with no reply at all. Yeah, Birmingham made their worst ever start to a WSL season. There was plenty of discussion last season, wasn't there, Katie, about the players sending a letter to the club's board um, complaining about having to share facilities, about a lack of facilities, a lack of support. And the board did promise to make things better. And I'm not saying that they haven't, but it's really, really tough when you can't find any momentum at all. And it's and it's really tricky if you've got a new manager like Scott Booth, because he must be you know, desperately trying to turn things around and offer confidence at a club which has had a rocky history over the past year or so, it's fair to say. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's been really, really tough for them. You know, having to fight for everything all of the time is, is exhausting anyway. And to be a player within that and feel, you know, that it should be a given that, you know, you have that support and that backing to know it go and, you know, represent the club, represent Birmingham. And it has been tough for them. I think, you know, I was hoping they'd, they'd start to sort of pick up results and stuff like that. I think, you know, they I, I see a part of this game and I think they created some chances. You know, it's not like they're a, a bad team. I just think something's not quite right at the moment. It's looking like it could be a shootout for that relegation spot between Birmingham and Leicester, doesn't it? The, the more that we get into this season, it seems to be panning out that way. You're listening to The Athletic Women's Football Podcast. If you're not yet a subscriber to The Athletic, you can get a third of a subscription right now by heading to theathletic.com forward slash WSL pod.
You're listening to the Athletic Women's Football Podcast in partnership with Now. Joining myself, Lindsay Hooper, it's Kate Borsay and former Lioness Katie Chapman. On to Continental Cup and youth games. Um, in the midweek Continental League Cup games, we saw Jean-Luc Vasseur win his first game in charge of the Toffees. Izzy Christensen scored a one-touch beauty in that 3-1 win over Leicester City. I was there at that one doing updates on Sky Soccer Special. Man City beat the side at the top of the Championship Durham by three goals to nil thanks to Philippa Angledahl, Caroline Weir and Janine Becky. Liverpool beat Sheffield United 5-3 on penalties and Sunderland defeated Blackburn Rovers by two goals to one. There were also two interesting goals in the Man United versus Chelsea under-21s, which finished 5-2 to the Reds. Lauren James scored for Chelsea. We're keeping up that Lauren James watch for you. And Carla Solskjaer scored for United. Apparently, she scored in every game so far this season. I bet her dad, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, wishes he had some of that right now. Yeah, I bet he does. Uh, Katie, we've got to speak to you about Lauren James' watch. Uh, We're very excited about seeing Lauren James put on a a Chelsea shirt um, after that big money move in the summer. Uh, When someone's played for the under-21s, is that an indication that they're gearing up, they're going to be in the first team soon? Yeah, of course. I think, you know, she's coming back um, to play. You've got got to get the minutes under your belt, I think, before you go back into the, the, the first team. And I'm looking forward to seeing her play. I think, you know, she's a great player. I think she's at the club that she wants to be at. I think Emma Hayes is the best person to bring the best out of her. So I think, you know, she's playing with really good players, um, competing with really good players day in, day out of training. Um, And it'd be interesting to see where she will fit into the Chelsea team. Do you think the temptation will be to use her in a cup game or, or would she go for a league game like the one against City this weekend? You know what? I don't actually know. I don't know. I think Emma Hayes has got so much to choose from uh, within that team. You know, they've got minimal injuries and it's tough for anybody to get in that team. So I guess it just depends on the opponent and, and the team she, she wants to play. But yeah, hopefully we will see her in, in a league game. It'd be nice to see her this Sunday. It is interesting how Emma Hayes is managing her at the moment, but we will keep up with the Lauren James watch. Now, in other news this week, the Football Supporters Association have just released a survey that's found that 20% of women have reported receiving unwanted physical attention when going to men's football games. That's more than doubled since 2014. At women's games, it's a lot less. Three quarters of people said they hadn't heard sexist comments or chants or had any unwanted physical attention. Women are also less tolerant of the abuse, as almost half said it made them angry compared to a third in 2014 we should keep it that way we still need to get angry about it we need to report it as well how do we make it stop though who's whose duty is that Katie does that does that come down to the club to put tannoy announcements out I mean you shouldn't have to remind people not to be physically or you know dish out unwanted physical attention should you but what is going to help fix this I think it's everybody needs to fix it, doesn't it? It doesn't have to come from one place. You know, you, you either deal with it personally in that situation. So he's talking about it, isn't it? It's raising the subject. It's getting people to, to, you know, if they see something, to make a point that that's not okay. You know, even if it's someone outside of what's going on, to make a point that it's not okay. And I think we just need to keep, yeah, talking about it. I think, you know, women should be able to feel safe in whatever environment there is. It's important 
It needs to be easy to report, doesn't it? It needs to be something like just a, an app on your phone or something that you that you message really simply because if you put too many hurdles there, people just think, oh, I'm not going to bother, don't they? And then you don't get the true reflection of, of what the figures are. And it's it's not just the physical, Kate. I think it's also the the catcalling and things like that. Certainly at men's games, I'm sure um, they're wanting to, to really try and get that out of the game. Now, the survey also showed in the women's game, cost and how far that fans have to travel to gain is the biggest factor stopping people from going. And that's for almost half of the fans. Earlier on in this very show, I was talking about being at the Pirelli Stadium for a Leicester City home match in cup matches. It's great that women's football is getting to go to, to the Burton area. But in terms of having home fans for Leicester City, that's a big ask for them. That's just one example. And we know that this happens uh, throughout the women's game. Is that something, Katie, that is a real obstacle now? Yeah, I think it is an obstacle and they're not easy to get to. I mean, Kings Meadow is not an easy place to get to either, you know, for Chelsea games, for fans, but they turn up week in, week out. And I think, yeah, when you talk about Burton, I mean, I obviously used to go to uh, St George's Park there. So I know that around there, there's not a lot going on. So I can imagine it's quite a difficult place to get to. And I think we need to make it more accessible. I think using, the, you know, the main stadiums, hopefully we're going to go in that direction. You know, we're going to share the stadiums with with the men that's, you know, the, the train links and the tube links are all there to make it easy for fans to come because, you know, it is, it is difficult and you're asking a lot for fans, aren't you, to come and and the ones that commit and make that journey and, you know, it could take them hours to get there, do it. But it will raise the stand and it will get the fans into the stadium, see if it was more accessible. It is about presence, isn't it? It's about, you know, having young girls walking past a big training facility or a stadium and thinking, I'd like to play in there one day. And if it's out in the sticks, we've talked before on this show how there's an issue with then diversity, being able to get kids from inner cities, perhaps less affluent areas to those training facilities, to those grounds. But there's also an issue with visibility too. Let's move on to Arsenal. They had their first meeting of their new advisory board and they're meant to be basically tackling issues, including the growth and profiles of Arsenal women and the women's game in general, as well as diversity and inclusivity. And when you look at the photo of the board, one thing stands out, there are no women at all. It's mainly white men. And it's unbelievable that they've also, by the way, so as well as this board, you know, that are meant to be responsible for the growth of the women's game and Arsenal women, they also had representatives from other areas of the club, which is which is credible. So they had a young fans rep, they had an Arsenal Disabled Supporters Association rep, they had a gay gooners rep, but no women's rep either. So not only no women on the board, but no rep looking after the women's game either. Katie, it's enough for you to put your head in your hands, isn't it? Surely that's just a just a silly oversight. Yeah, it is a silly oversight. I mean, why wouldn't you have, yeah, a women's player or a representative on the board, you know, to give the insight into the women's game and how that actually feels to be a woman in that environment, you know, to give their opinion there, you know, just speak about how that is. Um, it makes no sense at all. But I think these are the battles that we're having, right, is to introduce women into these higher situations and on the board to have a voice um, and to speak in these moments. We're going to keep highlighting these issues as and when they arise, because without doing that on shows like this, we're not going to keep that dialogue going. And we intend to do that. So uh, as the season goes on, you'll probably hear more along those lines from us. 
Hi, it's Kate Borsay here from the Athletic Women's Football Podcast. And I'm here to let you know that you can stream the biggest moments of the Women's Super League with Now. Coming up this Sunday, you can watch all the Sky Sports action from Everton versus Manchester United and Manchester City against Chelsea. That's all for a one-off payment, just £9.99 with a Now Sports Day membership. Find out if City can exact revenge on the Blues after their FA Cup semi-final exit and whether Everton can get that new manager bounce. To find out more, head to nowtv.com or search Now Sports today. Well, let's talk about what's coming up then. Uh, This week, Champions League action returns. Chelsea plays Switzerland, Sveta and Arsenal travel to HB Kerr. I think that's how you pronounce it in Denmark. Linz, you've got some detail on domestic action. Yeah, it's Women's Football Weekend. A break in the Premier League calendar means that we get to just purely shine a spotlight on women's football. Uh, The WSL fixture list looks like it's ready for this as well because we have two big derbies from North London and the West Midlands and then Manchester City versus Chelsea rounding things off. Uh, Katie, what are you most looking forward to seeing this weekend? I think probably the Chelsea-Man City because I'd like to see the response from Man City. You know, obviously losing to Chelsea in the FA Cup and then the response to playing them again in that game. Listen, I love watching all the games. I think, you know, it's so competitive, the women's game now. And, you know, you never know who's going to win, what the outcome is going to be of any any game. So I think it's it's all really interesting. And how about rivalry, Katie? It feels like we're inheriting rivalry from the men's game a little bit because we're branding it, you know, the North London derby. And of course, Spurs and Arsenal haven't been in the league in the women's game very often up until now. Is that something that's fine to be inherited? Or do you think that there are individual women's rivalries that we're not making enough of that have been there for some time? I I just thought from a player's point of view, it's interesting for for you to bring us up to speed with that because I think some of the history in the women's game can be forgotten sometimes. Yeah, of course. I think you're talking in terms of rivalries. I mean, yeah, the men's game, obviously you've got Tottenham, Arsenal and, and the usual rival games. But I think in the women's game, I mean... Uh, Chelsea, Man City used to be sort of a rival game, one of the tougher games. And, you know, Arsenal-Chelsea, Arsenal-Man City would be the games that I would suggest as being rival games. But I think, you know, it is football. When you've got the teams that are rivals coming into the women's game now, you know, they tend to be the games that they, they focus on got Birmingham up against Aston Villa as well. At one uh, match, I'm going to keep a little eye across Everton women versus Manchester United women. Just an interesting matchup this, both with new managers, Everton with a very new manager indeed. Uh, I wonder what Mark Skinner's approach to this one is going to be and will we start to see more of the Vassar effect? I don't think that there is a game this weekend that hasn't got something riding on it now, but that might be because we've reached that point in the season. The women's season's a lot shorter as well, but you look at reminding people as well that West Ham are hosting Reading, a lot on that, I think, uh, given that Reading just had that 3-0 win last time out. Like you say, Kate, as well, Birmingham hosting Villa towards the bottom as well when we think about relegation. But yeah, something riding on every single one pretty much. Uh, That's all we have time for on this week's Athletic Women's Football Podcast. Uh, You can follow us on our social channels at The Athletic UK and at Offside Rule Pod. Yeah, and you can check out OffsideRulePodcast.com as well, our brilliant website. Plenty of women's content there to enjoy, including a weekly five things we learned from the WSL action. Jessie Parker-Humphreys on that most weeks. Um, And always very, very insightful. I always learn something new. Please do download, rate and subscribe. And we will be back next week. Same time, same place. Well, maybe not for me because I'm in a car park right now, but similar place. (laughs) Probably. Um, Thank you very much, Katie. Enjoy the Women's Football Weekend. Thank you. Thanks, Katie. We'll speak to you soon.
The Athletic Women's Football Podcast is proudly partnered with Now. With a Now Sports membership, you can watch the biggest moments from the Women's Super League live. Find out more at nowtv.com. The Athletic.